Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. And it shoots and scores! Tomas Hurdle hits the jackpot! You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide. Brought to you by Coors Light. Score! Logan Couture wins it in overtime! Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Leaves it there for Ranton and now to Taves. Cross ice, Girard moves down the left wing boards with LeBanc in pursuit. He spins away from LeBanc, skates back toward the point, throws a pass across the ice to the near side, and reading the play, Taves skated down the right boards, grabbed it, fed it to the corner, back to the point, shot by Rantanen, is in. Miko Rantanen finishes that one off. That play was made by Devon Taves' read down the right wing side, and Rantanen makes it a 1-0 avalanche lead. Yeah, I made that same point, Kevin, in between second and third. I didn't think we played our best in the first two periods. I thought we had a lot better to give, but we did enough to keep the game close and, uh, um, you know, win a period, win a game kind of attitude. And uh, uh, we couldn't get it done in the third period. You know, give them credit. They turned it up. Uh, we knew they would. And their big boys had a night. You know, we just couldn't seem to get an early power player, get any uh, uh, offense going, enough offense going anyway early. I thought in the last five minutes of the second period, 10 minutes of the second period, we we're going. You know, I think the second goal took a little wind out of our sails. All right, good. Good morning, guys. How are we all doing? I, uh, I'm i not going to lie to you and say that there's any such thing as a feel-good loss because I never feel good after a loss, and there's always things you identify that the team could have done better, where mistakes were made, areas of improvement, etc., etc., etc. But I will say that there are losses that are not all emotionally devastating that leave you wondering how you can score six goals and lose a game. And that's the big difference between what we saw the Sharks do last night as opposed to the loss before that against the Blues when we most recently saw them not winning a game. Some losses you can look at and say, you did some good things, not enough, but you also saw the team take strides forward over the course of two games, A, and B versus what we saw earlier in the year and feel that there is market improvement in terms of the performance that we're watching out there on the ice. When I watched the Sharks play against the Avs this time, as opposed to how it looked earlier in the year when it looked like they were played off the ice, I didn't feel awful about coming away from a two-game series against Colorado with a split. The potential of what Colorado represents on any given night is just probably right up there with the best in the NHL. But if I look at the two-game series as a whole, I say that for five of six periods, the Sharks were right there with one of the best teams in the NHL, and that is not a terrible place to be because it showed they can play with anyone, and that was something that was said after the game by the Sharks' players and their head coach. And I do believe that the Sharks can play with anyone. The problem is that far too many times this year, the Sharks have been able to play with just about anybody, but they have not been good enough to win. And that is a sign of a team that is still finding themselves, that is still figuring it out. And hopefully they can continue to figure out. But, uh, you know, for most of the year, the Sharks have not been, you know, devastated on the ice. They've had a lot of crushing losses. 
They've had a lot of close losses. A lot of games obviously have gone to overtime and to shootouts. But I get the feeling watching the Sharks team, and I and I feel it even more after this two-game split against Colorado, is that they are close to that turning point, that they are close to being able to rack up a couple of wins and put themselves overall in a better situation. And I know it's easy to have a takeaway that they've been hovering near the bottom of the division, but I fully expected the Sharks to have struggles up to this point. It's kind of been exactly what I expected them to be, but at the same time, The fact that they've played with a relative consistency and been able to hang in with just about anybody out there in the league has also shown me how much there is to grow grow on and really develop with this team. You look no further than the development of Mario Ferraro and John Leonard. Ferraro has not yet had a normal season in his NHL career from last year to this year, but he's already looking like an impact player and one of those guys that the Sharks can build on for their future. He knows how to defend. He has the physical tools. Now his game and his mind are all are, are catching up with those physical tools that he has because we know he's a fitness freak and we know he has the capability out there on the ice to hang with anybody. But now you see his timing being that much better. Now you see his vision being that much better and it's turning him into a better and more impactful player rather rapidly. I mean, I thought that his play over these two games against one of the top lines, if not the top line in the entirety of the NHL, really speaks to what he's been able to do in a short amount of rather disjointed time in the NHL. He has not had a normal season. I I can't harp on that enough. And I like to think that when he does have that normal season, he's going to flourish even more so because he's responding ridiculously well under very, very strange circumstances. And he used his time in the offseason to become a better player and a better athlete. He entered as a physical skill set that was able to be molded and built into something more. And he has made good on all of that. And it's, it's having an impact night in, night out on the ice. And I think that with Leonard, you see another instance of a guy with a lot of raw potential It's not refined yet, but you see a lot of the capability and you see his physicality, his speed, a lot of the things that he's capable of doing. You think that he's getting this right now, this baptism by fire where his games are coming fast and furious and he's being put out there with offensive responsibility and asked to to do things on certain nights. You know, there's going to be some bumps in the road for him, but he's learning the game of what it's like to be an NHL player at a rapid-fire pace, and I feel like he's not being left behind. I feel like you see a lot of that promise. Now, promise does not always lead to positive performance because, like I said, there are bumps along the way, but Leonard is a guy that I look at and you see, you can build on this guy. He is rapidly improving. Now, that rapid improvement is not always indicative of how far he's come because he has a long way to go, and he's going to have those deficiencies show out there on the ice. But again, you watch him and you feel like he is rapidly getting better. And I think that that is just something that I continue to see with the San Jose Sharks. You feel like the team continues to trend in the right direction and you feel that way out of a loss against the Avs. And I think that one of the things I'm very much aware of this year is how much harder it seems to win two games in a row because obviously the Sharks haven't done it as of yet, but That's because these two-game series provide interesting back-and-forth adjustment-based hockey that we haven't really seen that much outside of the playoffs. This, to me, 
is fascinating to watch these guys go up against each other, to see the way it plays out over two games. You love the coaching battles. You love the changes from one game to the next. It, it's presenting is highly fascinating and highly interesting. And the Avs, they have enough talent to where they were able to adjust and do some certain things better in game number two than they were in game number one. And the Sharks, they did a pretty darn good job of responding to those changes because a team as talented as the Avs are going to dictate the change for the most part. In the first game of this series, the Sharks did a very, very good job of keeping the puck in the offensive zone and making Colorado defend. Colorado did not have to do that nearly as much in game number two of this series, and I think that one of the main reasons they were able to stay out of their own end was they were rather exceptional on the forecheck, and the amount of turnovers that they forced the Sharks into in their own zone was off the charts. And then when they forced the Sharks into those turnovers, if it led to a stoppage, Colorado was winning every single faceoff, and that was exactly what you saw on that second goal. Forecheck, faceoff, Colorado wins it, scores a goal. And it felt like that was a microcosm of the game, that every single time Colorado was forechecking, the Sharks were going to have trouble getting out of their own end, and then if it did lead to a face-off, the Avs were going to win it. And on the night, the Avs won 60% of the face-offs, and it's another instance in which you really miss Tomas Hurdle. Now, we did get a little bit of an update on Tomas Hurdle from head coach Bob Bugner yesterday. Uh, before the game, he said that he has been speaking with Tommy uh, every couple of days, said that for a few days there he had some symptoms of COVID and had some headaches to go along with it. So that does not sound very fun, and we hope that Hurdle gets better uh, as soon as possible, obviously. But the Sharks are going to have to continue to deal with this while he is unavailable. But in terms of the adjustment that Colorado made, it was to play a much more aggressive game on the forecheck, and they were fantastic. I'm not going to take any credit away from them, and Bob Bugner said as much after the game. He said he didn't want to take credit away from the Avs. They played a good game, and they had that response from one game to the next. But let's be honest, the Sharks put themselves in a good position in the first game of this series by getting that win I, obviously, it's never a bad thing. I don't mean to sound too obvious, but they forced the Avs into adjustment. And for two periods, the Sharks did a good job of dealing with that adjustment. And it's a credit to what they have been able to do versus the first couple of times they played the Avs this year when they were not nearly as good and they were almost played off the ice, especially in that first game. But this is why I keep on coming back to how much the Sharks have grown from that point. But also, there is no greater test to see how you really stack up than playing against one of the best teams in the league, which is exactly what the Avs represent. The Sharks showed that they have to play nearly a perfect game to get a win against a team like the Avs, and that's what we saw them do in game number one of the series. In game number two, they were not perfect, and I think that one of the things that Colorado did so well was that by being so aggressive on the forecheck, at other moments when they were not as aggressive, the Sharks tried to rush it and hurry it out of their own end, and that led to takeaways and giveaways as well. They got into their head a little bit, and nothing that I saw over the course of game number two as a reaction from game number one from the Avs particularly surprised me. The Sharks' offense had scored 12 goals over the previous two games. 
the pendulum was going to swing. And that is exactly what happened. Instead of the Sharks being able to find the back of the net, instead of the Sharks being able to get those key goals in key situations, Grubauer came up with key stops time and time and time again. And that was the difference from Game 1 of this series to Game 2 of this series. You expect players to respond. You expect players to react and play better, especially when it's a team like Colorado, and that's exactly what they did. And this all brings it back to the way that I felt about this game. I agree there is no such thing as a good loss, but you don't come out of this game feeling particularly awful or that the Sharks were completely outclassed, outmatched, outcoached, etc., etc., etc. The Sharks went against a very good team. They split the series, and for five periods overall, they played pretty much step-for-step with that top team in the NHL. And I don't think that's a terrible place to be because you saw some great performances from a guy like Mario Ferraro. You saw Eric Carlson continue to step his game up. You saw Martin Jones have one very good game against the abs and one okay game against the abs. I didn't think that he was particularly great. I didn't think he was particularly bad, but I think Martin Jones for him to get some good starts out there after having some less than stellar showings is important. Jones gave the Sharks a chance to win, and that's all that Bob Bugner is asking him to do. Eric Carlson continues to look more and more like his old self. He had some moments skating. He had some moments handling. He had some moments creating. He had some moments shooting where once again, he was that guy that can be downright inspiring to watch. And that's a sight that continues to trend in the right direction. Ryan Donato was another guy who I thought I saw working exceptionally hard and making an impact on the game. And he's just not being rewarded right now. And I know there are many hockey minds out there will say that he has to reward himself, but I'm not having a problem with his effort. I'm not having a problem with the lack of production per se, because I feel like he's still putting out good shifts out there on the ice. It's just not happening right now. But like we've alluded to, the pendulum will swing. And my hope is that maybe even against this series against Las Vegas, Donato does break through with a couple of goals that he's been working on, that he's been deserving of, but just haven't happened for one reason or another. And I also think that that has to happen because you can't just expect Couture and Kane to be the guys that kind of get things going on any given night. And you're going to need that against a big team like Las Vegas. You need your best players to step up. And I'm excited for this game against Vegas, especially considering there was bad blood the last time these two teams met each other, especially with the hit on Shimek and especially, especially the way that Bob Bugner didn't like the way that his team responded to that. This is going to be a heavy, hard-hitting series against Las Vegas, and we should all be excited for that. We want to see these teams go at each other, not like each other, and play the type of hockey this rivalry is capable of producing. When these two teams meet, with as much hate as they seem to have for each other on the ice, it leads to unbelievable entertainment for all of us, and it leads to very high-quality hockey. And this is another opportunity for the Sharks to rise to the occasion, as I feel they did over five periods against the Abs. Against Las Vegas, they've got to minimize the turnovers, they've got to be better on face-offs, They've got to get good goaltending. They've got to do all the things they did right in the first game of this series against the Avs. And they've got to keep their heads in check. And I go no further than Evander Kane. He can't let a fourth-line guy get him off the ice and into the box. But I'm excited for this series because I know what it represents in terms of emotion, in terms of momentum, in terms of another test of where the Sharks are and see how they respond from the last time they played Las Vegas. Every game for the Sharks 
represents opportunity. And it's something that we'll get into on the other side of that Mario Ferraro said as a young guy who is proving himself in the NHL. For him, he views the chance to go up against top players in the NHL as an opportunity. And I feel that to an extent, that's how the Sharks as a team have to view themselves right now. And no, Longacher and Brent Burns and Eric Carlson don't have to prove themselves. But I mean, the Sharks as a team and their mentality and where, where they are. I feel like this is another chance for them to prove to themselves that they are capable of playing with anyone and that they can beat a good team like Las Vegas two games in a row. They weren't that far off from doing it against the Avs, and they were markedly better than they were when they played the Avs earlier in the year. I'd like to see that exact same thing happen for the Sharks in this series against Las Vegas. There is no better time for the Sharks to start coming forward with their biggest performances of the year. All right, on the other side, we are going to get into post-game reaction and hear what the Sharks had to say about Blickfeld's hit on Nathan McKinnon. Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash home ice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly. So post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash home ice today. 2021 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Must be 21 or older. Celebrate responsibly. Number one, I thought throughout our whole lineup, guys were, were playing hard, trying to outwork the guy across from them. I think that our focus was real good. Our determination was 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 there. Um, we're skating and winning the races. Just the competitiveness that you need or that the league requires in order for you to uh, win two out of three games or three out of four games. That that's the type of you know play we had from our guys from, from you know Groovy out all the way through our lineup. It did not come easy for us today. We worked for you know a long time before we finally scored. Um, and, and if you just that that to me that first goal just sort of sums up our night. It was a hard, heavy tournament shift with a lot of real good execution, and we finally scored. And again, it was it was not easy. The Sharks played hard and played well today. That's the head coach of the Avs, Jared Bednar, bringing us back in here on Morning Tide. And yeah, like he said, he gave credit to the Sharks, said it was a hard game for the Avs last night. And very much you saw the same thing being said from Sharks head coach Bob Bugner. He talked about how well the Avs played, and I think that there is a lot of respect between these two teams. And it goes back to that playoff series in the spring of 2019 when the Sharks beat the Avs in seven games. I remember it was just interesting to watch the, the feelings between the fans, the feeling between the players compared to in that series compared to how it was against both Vegas and St. Louis. And I also think that's worth noting in terms of their reaction on the hit from Blitchfeld against McKinnon. Well, I didn't love the hit. I mean, you know, Nate turns up the ice, the guy's coming from quite a distance and, and catches him, you know, high and you know, so obviously I don't like that, but yeah, I saw him coming off the ice. Uh, he was in the hallway. seems to be doing good. I think that, um, you know, we get lucky on it, you know, hope, hopefully he's uh, feeling good and everything tomorrow, but as of right now, he seems to be fine. And that's exactly what you'd expect Bednar to say. He's not going to go out there and say that he likes it. He's not going to go out there and say anything like that. But what he didn't say was that it was a cheap shot or head hunting or something to that effect. And I think a very similar sentiment was expressed from Devon Taves after the game as well. Yeah, I think our team responded well to it. Um, I don't think we liked the hit very much. 
um, you know, and guys stepping in to, to protect a teammate is what we want. And, you know, we need that aggressivity from our team in order to step in when, you know, things like that happen. And, um, you know, our response to it, I think, was pretty good. And again, that is a very measured response. There's nothing inflammatory. They're not going to like it, of course, and they're going to use that as a moment to respond from their team. But again, there's nothing out there that's going after the hit or saying that it was, um, you know, headhunting or anything of that nature because I, I didn't think that it was. I thought that it was poorly timed. I think that he was going in for the check and it did not line up perfectly. And it's going to be a learning moment for Blitchfeld, obviously. But at the same time, I did not view it as some overall dirty play, headhunting, etc. something along that nature. Your Sharks head coach, Bob Bugner. Um, I, I, only on the bench TVs, which aren't, aren't, aren't great uh, quality. So I'm going to go look at it now, but, uh, you know, it, everything happened so fast out there and, you know, I know the refs got a chance to review it. So, uh, I'll have to look when I get in and Brent Burns, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. I haven't seen it, but you know, you got, you got one of the best players in the world. He's skates low, skates hard. Like I said, I haven't seen it. So, but I don't think, I, I know he's not trying to hurt him. Yeah, and you, you don't want to see anybody get in that play, but it's got to get looked at carefully too. You know, you can't just say it's a tough lesson. It's just, it's, he, he's, you know, going to get in trouble for it. I, I don't know. And and hopefully they take, you know, they take a good look at it, see the play, see how it developed. You know, I think it's pretty hard when you, you look at it, something in a hundred frames per second. You have a guy that he skates so powerfully and he's and he's low and so it's hard. I mean, that you put you put the players in a hard spot because then you say, well, he's not finishing his checks. Well, what do you want him to do there? You know what I mean? It's hard. It's a, there's a lot of things that can change. You can change angles, you can change stuff, but you got one of the best players in the world. You're trying to take away time and space. And sometimes you got to be physical, you know, obviously we got to be careful with it. You got to, you got to take care of players. I know Blitchy's not trying to hurt anybody there, but he's, he's got to play a hard game to be successful in his, to get established for himself. So I haven't seen it. And I'm not saying anything. I haven't seen it. So they got to take a good little hard, hard look at it. It shouldn't be an automatic thing. You know, you got to look and see angles. You got to see contact of it i was on the ice and it, it didn't didn't look like he smashed the head now in saying that i it's it's a fast play so you got to take care of guys but in saying that too you got to be careful because there's guys that are trying to establish themselves and, and then they have to play a physical game and you can't just say well you should stick check that guy because how many times do we see on a highlight when somebody go, tries to stick check mckinnon and he embarrasses them you know so it's a hard it's a hard spot you know, let's uh, hopefully they just take a good, long, hard look at it. See what guys are thinking on the play. I've been in that spot before. And it's, it's tough because if you it's, it's easy to say, well, I should just stick check him or not hit him there. <laughs> then what's going to happen to him, too? You know, it's uh, it's a hard place. So I don't know. And that's one of the reasons that I love Brett Burns meandering stream of conscious thought answers is because he does bring up many valid points. You know, he's very much pointing out that he has not seen the replay, but he's also talking about comparing himself to those situations, looking at it from the perspective of Blitchfeld, looking at it from how you play against McKinnon, looking at how you're trying to establish yourself in the NHL, looking at how the play is going to be reviewed, looking at all these things, because it takes many vantages. It takes different viewpoints. And I don't just mean of the literal film. I mean, of all angles of the play, the players intention, etc. There's so much going on in that play. It's very easy to cast it off as a, as a dirty hit or something of that nature, but you didn't hear that from the Avs. They said they didn't like the hit, but we've seen more visceral and more aggressive responses in terms of what's been said post game from various teams at various points in the NHL. If they see something they don't like, they will be much more forthright in expressing that. We didn't hear that from their head coach. 
We didn't hear that from Devon Taves. And Brent Burns was very, very much, you know, in my opinion, he provided a lot of clarity on the multiple facets that play into a play like that happening. Here's Burns on his thought about how they played against one of the top lines of the NHL over two games. You know, I think it's tough. I think you you got to play safer because they're so dangerous. And that almost gives them a little bit more um opportunities but you know honestly and, and i'm gonna i'll preface this but i haven't seen the tape so i could be completely wrong here obviously it's not good enough when one of them's got four points i don't, I don't know what the other guys got but you know i thought we were we, we didn't give much high-end opportunities and then they scored that goal you know the second one's uh it's just a face-off play you know i i don't think they were getting their their typical highlight reels but you know they played in the ozone a lot i think when you play a team that is so dangerous there you got to get them out of the D's, out of our D zone and into their into their D zone, and you know I don't think we did it enough. You talk about taking away their their high end opportunities and and trying to make them play D, and I, you know obviously we didn't do that well enough. So you're trying to shut them down from high danger, uh, consistent pressure, and they got three three great guys that are that read off each other real well, and it's a tough job. And Burns was asked if there was any positive takeaway from the loss that he can take into the series against Las Vegas. No, I think you lose four nothing. You don't feel very good. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you're. I don't know. We'll see. See what they say after the watching the game and, and seeing what. Uh, but no, I you don't feel very good right now. And that's one of the things you can always get with Brent Burns is honesty. He did not pull any punches there in his assessment of what the Sharks can take out of a four nothing loss against Las Vegas. He knows they need to be better. He saw exactly what we all saw, and that was particularly, and I think they'll have to do this against Las Vegas, but they spent too much time in their own end defending. It tired them out. It's exactly what we saw the flip side of in the first game of this series against Colorado, where the Sharks spent a lot more time on the attack. Yeah, if you're in your zone, you're going to get less shots. I mean, I don't know what to say to, to that, but yeah, not good. You want to get out of the D zone. You got to be clean to get out of the D zone. Like you said, I don't know the, I don't know the stat stuff. You know, I think you're playing against a really good line. You, you, you're you trying to be a little safer to to not give them big chances and like the high danger chances. But when you do that too, it's it's hard because you're giving them a little bit more time and space. And when you give them time and space, they're going to make better plays. So when you have a guy like McKinnon and you give him a little bit of time, he's going to put it through you anyway. So it's it's a double-edged sword, but you can't play you can't play all guns a blazing either because they're going to make you pay. So I don't know. What was the question? It was like, we didn't get as many shots? No, I, I, yeah, I don't think we did. Didn't feel like we were yeah, in the was- zone as much. Yeah, I think it was just kind of more more one and dones. Um, yeah, more D zone. And then you got to change, you know, you're, you're dumping it and you're not getting that uh, sustained attack. But like I said, I don't know. I, when you're in the game, it's you're you're maybe not seeing the whole full picture. You're you're kind of zoned in on on certain things. So I could be completely wrong with that. I don't know. But a lot of what he says there, I think, will be applied in this series coming up against Las Vegas and the Sharks. They have to respond once again. They've got to get themselves back to 500. They've got to get these points and start climbing up the standings. I mean, it's it's very obvious what needs to happen, right? And it's just that much more difficult in a season like this where you do have these game-to-game adjustments, where you do have this back-and-forth nature of a lot of series, but the timing is not any better for the Sharks to step up and have a big-time performance. And one guy that's been stepping up big-time continually is Mario Ferraro. He continues to just look more and more like that player that the Sharks can build on for years to come. 
Bloom. Here is how he was assessing his opportunity going up against the Avs and their top line. Myself, along with anybody who knows hockey, knows that that line is very, very dangerous. And so um, it was important that I knew uh, where they were on the ice um, and I was able to make reads off of not only Burnsy, um, but also uh, our forwards and Cooch being the centerman. You know, if he's above center, I can be a little bit more aggressive. If he's, you know, if, if they he, they have him beat, you know, just lay back a little bit and make sure they, they don't uh, get behind us. Um, <clears throat> I thought that we, as a unit of five, uh, did fairly well um, against them overall. Uh, that the first night we... We shut them down pretty good um, tonight. They had a good heavy shift. You know, they're they're good. They're good players. Uh, you know, they're going to make plays, and and they they caught us in the second period there to to open up the game a little bit for them. Um, I wish we we could have that one back, but uh, you know, it's it is what it is. We'll learn from it and and just be be ready for the next time we see them. And he was asked about the frustration for the Sharks right now, having not won consecutive games. You know, it's it's a big thing to you know get points when you can, and uh, we want to try and get over that five hundred mark. And it's, you know, we're going to need to win two games in a row. We're going to need to stack up uh, some wins. But, no, we don't want to get frustrated. We don't want to get, you know, we don't want to let our guard down and, and just start you know, getting frustrated with each other and stuff like that. It's it's about building off of this and, and learning. Uh, you know, we had a, it's a tough series. Uh, it's it's different this year. It's a different approach. You know, you're playing teams back to back. It's a harder to win two games in a row, but we're going to learn from it. You know, that's what this is about. We still we're not even halfway through the season yet. And it, it's we're going to it's something that we'll be able, we'll be able to build on. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, we can stack up some wins uh, coming up. And for me, this was the most important takeaway of what he said. You know, we don't want to let our guard down and, and just start you know, getting frustrated with each other and stuff like that. It's it's about building off of this and, and learning. And we've heard it from Burns. We've heard it from multiple players around the Sharks. They talk about how vocal Ferraro is. They talk about, you know, his attitude. I'm sure last year he saw a lot of that players getting frustrated with each other and things kind of going south inside the dressing room and in, on the ice in and of itself. I'm sure this year he sees the potential for the same thing to happen. Last year, he was not comfortable speaking up. I think this year, now established in the league and playing against the best players on the opposition, he feels like he can speak out a little bit more. He doesn't have to have that same level of deference, that same level of, I'm just happy to be here, I'm not going to speak up. Because rookies, for the most part, they're not allowed to speak that way. They are advised against it, but I think now... He is trying to point out things and what he doesn't want to happen and what he thinks needs to happen with this team because he is one of those glue guys. His mentality, his optimism, his sense of humor seems to be keeping things together. That wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will see you all again on Saturday morning after Game 1 against the Knights. With San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.